This Saturday, we have maybe my favorite Mass of the year, a candlelight Mass in honor of Our Lady for during Advent. And that's 6 a.m. Saturday. Yes, I said 6 a.m. So when it's pitch black in here, all we have is candles. Hundreds of candles on the altar, each and every one of you holding your vigil candle. And it's the realization that we live in darkness, but Christ is the light. And so Mass starts when it's pitch black, and by the end, when Mass is done, you know, it's slowly getting light outside. But again, it's one of the great ways for us to prepare for Christmas, uh, spending time in the dark, waiting, keeping watch with Christ and for Christ. We are beginning Advent. And Advent, as we know as good Catholics, isn't just Christ's first coming, but preparation for his second coming. His coming at the end of time is coming in glory. In fact, that's what our gospel was about today. We didn't hear anything about, you know, Bethlehem and Mary and Joseph or anything like that, baby Jesus. It's about Jesus returning at the end of time. Um, the word we use for this is the apocalypse. Apocalypse, and that has this kind of scary or negative connotation, but apocalypse just means the unveiling, revealing. And ultimately, the revealing or unveiling of Jesus in his glory. And so, as followers of Jesus Christ, this is something that should bring us great peace and great joy and happiness. Christ's apocalypse, his revealing and glory, because that is what we are longing for and living for. So yes, penitential, purifying, in a sense, some suffering, But again, it's so we can be with Christ forever in his glory. So there's a joy, a true believer is peace and happiness in regards to the end times. So today I wish to preach a little bit about the end times and first maybe what it is not. What it is not. And I'll start by asking this question, has anyone ever heard of the rapture? The rapture, right? Um, This is not a Catholic thing. This is not a Catholic thing. Belief, But the rapture is this idea that before the end of time, before Christ appears in his glory, he's actually going to come before that secretively. And he's going to rapture or seize, take with him all his faithful followers to heaven. And then during the seven years while he is in heaven with his faithful ones, There's going to be tribulation, destruction, a lot of bad things happening to all the non-believers. But we, again, again, don't believe that. You may be familiar with there's a series of books or movies called Left Behind. I believe I saw a trailer once of this movie and show, and it has a plane flying, and uh, the pilot, who's a believer, gets raptured out of there, and so what happens to the plane? It crashes because it doesn't have a pilot. Um, This comes from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. He says, Paul says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an angel, and at the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So we believe this will happen. The question is when. And we believe it's at the end of time. 
when Christ comes the next time in his glory. And in fact, it doesn't sound too secretive in the scripture passage. Cry of an angel, trumpet sound, voice of the angel. This is a non-Catholic, non-biblical, not in Christian tradition. In fact, it wasn't even a thing until the 1830s. Uh, by a man named John Nelson Darby, a British preacher. So, the rapture is not something to believe in. What do we believe, though, about the end times? Well, there's five things, five signs that need to happen before the end of the world. And so I just wish to talk about these five kind of major signs. The first is that the gospel will be preached to the entire world. Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come, he says. So does this mean that every single person has to be confronted with the gospel message? Probably not, right? More so the idea that every group of people, every nation, has the gospel reach them in the sense that the gospel is available to everyone. Has this happened yet? Maybe a hundred years ago you would say no, there are still some areas that needed the gospel, but today it's hard to think of areas in the world that still need the gospel brought to it. So maybe we're getting close to that sign being fulfilled. Second sign is the full universal conversion of the Jews to Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church the conversion of all Israelite people to the Catholic faith. St. Paul writes in Romans, quote, A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. St. Thomas Aquinas commenting on this, he says, quote, That after the fullness of the nations have entered, all Israel will be saved, not individually as is present, but universally. So at the time of St. Thomas, he's acknowledging that there's individual Jewish people converting, just like we have today individual Jewish people converting. But at the end, it will be the entire Jewish people converting. What will this look like? You know, How will the Pope deal with this? We don't know. Those are questions uh, to be answered in the future. This is what our catechism says. The glorious Messiah's coming is suspended at every moment of history until his recognition by all Israel. The full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's salvation will enable the people of God to achieve the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, in which God may be all and in all. Again, has this happened yet? I'm pretty sure to say this has not happened yet. We still have millions and millions of Jewish people in the world. The third sign is the great apostasy. Jesus says, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. So Jesus is saying this to his followers to his baptized brothers and sisters. He's saying this to his precious ones, his holy ones, you and me. And he's saying, many will be led astray, but you 
do not be led astray. Jesus says these people will come in his name. They could be bishops, religious sisters, priests, Catholic friends, Catholic politicians, leaders in the church, and these people will lead many astray. St. Paul says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day, the end of the world, will not come unless the rebellion, the apostasy, comes first. What about this sign? It seems more and more like this is happening, maybe. A lot of bad Catholics and Christians leading others astray, away from the true faith. But the great apostasy seems to be something even greater on a larger scale than is currently happening. Something that would be connected with the next sign, the fourth sign I wish to speak about. And this is maybe the most flashy one. The revelation of the Antichrist. The revelation of the Antichrist. St. Paul says, Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This Antichrist will work what looks like miracles, but they won't be miracles, they won't be supernatural. He won't have that power. Um, He will be deceptive, though, a leader in the great apostasy. He won't be the devil himself, because the devil doesn't have that power to become incarnate. Only God can do that. But he will be fully human, and have the energy of the devil, Scripture says, so he will be possessed by the devil. The Catechism calls the Antichrist message, quote, a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of the apostasy from the truth. I think this is obvious that this has not happened yet either. Finally, the last sign is tribulation, both natural disasters but also persecutions. We heard about this in preceding Sunday's Gospel from Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. Jesus says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for the sake of my name. This isn't anything new. Every generation, there has been men and women who have lived for Christ and have been challenged to remain faithful. Will I remain faithful? Will you remain faithful? Will we refuse to compromise the truth of the faith so that the powers of darkness will not rule over us? Every day we have to confront these challenges. But before Christ returns, this will happen on a much larger and exceptional scale. At the end of time, there's just going to be heaven and hell, right? And so... We have to ask the question about purgatory. What about those at the end of time who are in friendship with God but still have some purification needed? Well, the theory, one theory is, is that tribulation, the persecution will be so much so strong that those who stay faithful will be totally purified. They'll be perfected, right? There won't be any need for further purification at the end of time. So there won't be need for purgatory. 
Again, this is something that we don't need to be afraid about. We don't need to worry. Why? Because Christ has promised to give you all the graces you need to persevere. If there are to be exceptional challenges, there will be exceptional graces and blessings given as well. Jesus talks about this. He says, when you are going to be dragged before kings and judges and rulers, you don't even need to worry about what you're going to say. Because I will give you a wisdom that your adversaries will not be able to refute. Think about all the martyrs. We hear about their stories, about their singing before they go into the Colosseum, okay? They're, they're praising God, singing hymns. St. Maximilian Kolbe, he was in that cell being starved for two weeks in Auschwitz, and he was singing hymns. Think of St. Lawrence. He even had the grace and the peace and the joy to be actually make a joke when he was putting, being put to death. He was being grilled on a, a, a grill, if you remember. And he was on one side, and he said, Hey, I'm done on this side, guys. Flip me over. Turn me over on the other side. All right. These are people who are not left on their own. They've been given exceptional, extraordinary graces. And the likewise, it will be for us at the end of time. But this is why, for example, the sacrament of confirmation is so important. Sometimes we say, oh, I'm baptized. I can receive Holy Communion. I don't really need confirmation. Like, no, Jesus didn't give us the sacrament of confirmation just as an extra thing. It gives us that special grace to witness, to endure through tribulation and persecution. St. Vincent Ferrar, he has the title of the Angel of the Apocalypse. He said, in these last days, or in the last days, only those who have received the sacrament of confirmation will be able to endure the Antichrist and the tribulation. Only those who have received confirmation will be able to endure. So if you haven't been confirmed yet, speak to me. It won't take much. We'll get you confirmed and have that special grace that the Lord desires to give you. So, no rapture. That is not a Catholic thing. That is not biblical, not historical. Okay? But the gospel needs to be preached to all nations. Needs to be the full conversion of the Jews. There will be a great apostasy. There will be the revelation of the Antichrist and a great tribulation. Again, we do not need to be afraid of this, though. We can count on God's help. As faithful followers, we want God to come and to reveal himself in his glory. So my friends, make this Advent count. Advent is short, stay awake for it. Advent is a great season of praying, especially when it's dark out, early in the morning, late at night. Every day, make prayer a practice for you this Advent. Also, we have our chapel here. You can still sign up for an hour, just three times for Advent. Give that time to the Lord so you can prepare your heart, keeping vigil with Christ for Christ. Again, you don't want to get to Christmas and say, oh, well, where'd Advent go? I didn't really do much. No, you want to be able to enter into this holy season in preparation. So just decide that you will pray and then decide when you will pray.